Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Hope you're enjoying the start to your weekend over here. We're getting set for a double dip in Pinto League pool play later this morning and the afternoon. Try to stay cool and hydrated if you're in a similar situation or just out and about this weekend. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Rick Camp drops by to discuss the NBA playoffs in a couple minutes. Nick Costos tells us how to make money on the Euro Cup and weekly contributor Jim Miller. If you're a regular listener to this show or my weekday show BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. You know that I love discussing the process of betting futures. So instead of just taking a look at the NBA award winners and just moving on with our day as a betting show, it is our duty to consider, is there anything that we can learn for next season, right? Especially when it comes to these awards, because you have to take the human element, the voters, into account. Overall, a very good NBA year for me. Had a chance to be great, but uh, the Coach of the Year market did not fall my way. Uh, Maybe the championship will fall my way. We'll get to that in a minute with Campy. Jokic! Jokic. MVP. Make no mistake about it. You need luck to be on your side. If LeBron... If Embiid, either of them stay healthy, Jokic doesn't win. If Steph's team finishes higher in the Western Conference standings, Jokic probably doesn't get it. If the Joker doesn't play all 72 games, the voters could have easily gone elsewhere because they were looking to do just that. Every time you read some of their columns or listen to them on podcasts, watch them on television... Coach of the year. I didn't think Tibbs was going to win it. I was dead wrong, but I still stand by my take on that. Thibodeau didn't even have the most first place votes. 
it didn't have one of the three really good Eastern Conference teams. He doesn't have one of the last four standing. I get it. Doesn't have a ton of talent. They awarded him for gathering all those victories in the regular season by making him the coach of the year. Once again, his winning percentage wasn't even 600 on the season. A coach of the year winner has not had a sub-600 winning percentage in 15 years. Everyone has been saying, New York media market, it's all about New York, that's why. They're probably right. Same goes for Julius Randle, winner of the most improved player. The coach of the year usually needs to win 70% of their games, which is why I was out on Tibbs throughout. With all that said, I think something else might be in play here. I think it might have something to do with the sports betting explosion we're seeing throughout the country. We're now north of 30 states that are legalized up and running or have passed laws, and they're working on it. It is now part of your everyday sports coverage. And if you take a look at teams outperforming expectations, that is why Tibbs won. The one team that outperformed their expectations more than anybody else in the NBA was the New York Knicks. The win total before the season was 21.5. They get 41 victories. Monty Williams was second in voting of the Phoenix Suns. 13.5 more wins than the win total. Quinn Snyder, 9.5 games better. He was voted third. Doc Rivers, 6.5 more victories. Voted fourth. Nate McMillan, 5.5 more wins. Voted fifth. Do you see the trend? Yes. The number of New York voters pushed Tibbs to win. And some of them having Monty Williams third pushed Tibbs to win. But sports betting seems to be playing a role. Because if you look at the win totals and the final tally, like they vote on the NFL Coach of the Year, outperforming expectations. That's what they did this NBA season with the Coach of the Year award. Just something to consider if you're going to bet on this next season. You should also consider listening to the man, Rick Camp, because he sold me on Nikola Jokic, and what a six-month sweat it was. At Rick C. Camp on Twitter, you hear him on Bulls Radio Post right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score. He is fantastic with NBA player props. Been doing that for years. You can find some of his write-ups if you follow him on Twitter. And he's the smart producer on the You Better You Bet show on the BetQL audio network. Rick, and we kind of hashed it out like, yeah, Jokic, 36 to 1 MVP makes a lot of sense. Take a bow, my friend. It was so nice to, even though we knew for a while that this was going to be the case, Obviously, with injuries to LeBron, injuries to Joel Embiid, just how good and how important Jokic was, it was evident for a while that he was going to win this MVP. Mm-hmm. But just to see the money hit the account, oh, that is such a great moment. That was awesome. Like, <laughs> that was awesome. Because we had no idea it was coming. It was strange how they rolled out the various player, coach awards, all that stuff. We had no idea. Usually there's a schedule. Okay, check it out. Make sure you're watching TNT at this time. Big announcement. Here's the interview. At least Major League Baseball does this, but the NBA didn't do any of that. 
Yeah, it was still better than the way it's been the last few years where they do the NBA awards like yes after the season when nobody cares anymore. I think it is cool to be able to like, especially when you think of MVP, have that guy be able to, you know, however long it is, a half hour before the game, have that moment where he's given the trophy. He's able to have that moment in front of the home fans. That's cool. Like you remember those type of things. So the fact that they're doing it in this format again, when people still care, makes so much more sense. But we were in the middle of you better, you bet when this happened, uh, Tyler, the executive producer puts in the chat, Jokic just won MVP. Hmm. All of us go nuts because on the show between Nick Costos, Ken Barkley, myself, we all had Jokic MVP futures from different points of the season. Uh So being able to have that. And at that moment, I went back and like scrolled to see what date I put that bet in because I forgot if it was before the season or just at the beginning of the season, yep. December 20th, just perfect. It was, I forgot to, until I went looking for the screenshot and I finally found it uh, for me, I believe the NBA was starting on this day. It was December 22nd. There's a nice long wait there, half a year. And then, Oh, that, that was so beautiful to see it pop in. People really benefited. If you listen to the, December 19th, 2020 edition of Early Odds here on 670 The Score. Because as I mentioned, we talked about Jokic for MVP. It's not done yet, but you're in a great spot if you got down on the Jazz at 36 to 1, a ticket that I am holding. If I want, I can get out of that and make a nice profit because if you look at the market right now, Campy, it's uh, the Jazz plus 250. Jazz plus 300 to win the NBA title. And uh, if you're holding a 36 to one ticket, you're sitting pretty. Absolutely. They just made so much sense as a team to target this year because with the short off season, with everything going on in terms of player movement, in terms of injuries, in terms of COVID, whatever, a team with that much stability and with a good coach, just made sense as a team that was maybe a safer bet than their number showed just because there wasn't much variance to be had. Like, I don't necessarily know about them winning the title at this point. So I would probably, probably consider that cash out option. Maybe if you really think they're going to continue on and they're going to finish off the series against the Clippers, then you hold on till they get to the conference finals and go that way. You could do that or just write it out. But I mean, it does seem like Brooklyn is just that much better than everybody else, but it's still a team that made a lot of sense to target as undervalued considering all the situation around this specific season. I think that might've been where there was some value to be had, especially also if you look at Jokic, another stable situation, a guy who is about as steady as they come. And in a season where everything is going to hell in a handbasket at different parts of the season, the Jazz and then Nikola Jokic are two things that remain constant throughout. For much of the regular season, I thought my Quinn Snyder coach of the year 25 to 1 ticket was going to cash. At one point, he was the heavy, heavy favorite. We know that all changed. I gave my reaction and what we can take moving forward, how we can learn from these awards that have been handed out in the NBA. Is there anything that we can learn from Tibbs being named coach of the year? Our Jokic MVP tickets, Julius Randle, most improved player, six man of the year, Jordan Clarkson, defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert once again. Any takeaways or just another year? And once we got to the tail end of the season, 
these were all obvious choices. I think the only one that wasn't an obvious choice by the end of the season was Tibbs. Yep. That one surprised me because I was thinking at that point and the odds showed it as well. I thought it was Monty Williams by the end of the season, because I know when we had talked mid season about, you know, is this a time to hedge on, on Quinn Snyder? I forget if that was on a podcast or offline or whatever, but it was had, all year. Yeah, it was pretty much all year. And we were talking about it. And at the time it was just before the Suns really started to hit a hot stretch. And at that point I thought, okay, we're still fine with Quinn Snyder. But once the Suns hit that hot stretch and they got within relative distance of where Utah was, Monty Williams clearly became the favorite. And I understand it with Tibbs. That's a huge leap that the Knicks made. And it's in New York where, you know, everything is magnified that much more, especially when you consider also the talent on that roster, (laughs) considering the other teams involved. I get it, but I don't think that's something we can look at as necessarily a trend moving forward. I think yes, in, in an anomalous year in general, this was an anomaly. Agree 100%. I just went over that. And uh, of the three big awards that we talked about the most, it appeared that Jordan Clarkson, Rudy Gobert, those awards were set pretty early in the season. Maybe a little debate on six man with his teammate, Joe Ingles, but Clarkson was the guy the majority of the season. If we're talking about long shots, coach of the year, MVP, most improved player, long shots all hit. They had one point. You could have got Tibbs later on in the season at 40 to 1 or 25 to 1 when the Knicks were going on their big run. We mentioned we got Jokic 36 to 1 before the season started in the middle of the season, which is why you should keep up on this if you're following the NBA or you're invested in futures. You could have gotten Julius Randle at 50 to 1. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even keep up on the Julius Randle part of that. That's fascinating going to be tough to find some of these longer shots next year, but we will uh, do our best here on early odds sports radio, six seventy. the score. My guest Rick camp. He was kind enough to sit in for me and host the show last week. He uh, excels in NBA player props. He's on you better. You bet on the BetQL audio network on Twitter at Rick C camp. All right. We've got one game tonight, Rick, one game jazz Clippers Clippers go home. They're down 0-2 once again. They are four and a half point favorites, a total of 223. Let's talk about the series price first because the Clippers are in the same spot they were in round number one, down 0-2. At points bet, Jazz minus 500, Clips plus 360. You taking a nibble? I'm going to nibble on the Clippers. I'm not going to go whole hog on that. Because it's a flaw of Ty Lue that he's slow to make his adjustments. But generally, once he makes his adjustments, they work out pretty well. And you kind of saw that in the first round. And also, it's it's just the amount of talent that they have. They can cause problems for Utah. I don't know if it's enough to win the series necessarily, but I do think there's some value in that number. Utah isn't the most athletic team in the world. And you can see there are times where the Clippers are able to get where they want to go and they're creating open shots. It's just a matter of their guys hitting those open shots. You know, you look at some of what Donovan Mitchell's doing. Yes. He's playing awesome. He really is, but he's kind of hitting some points where if he has even a slightly off game, if he's still in full go mode, he's going to be really inefficient. And that's going to cause 
expect the Clippers to have some more opportunities because if Mitchell can recognize, hey, I'm not having my best night here, maybe in 5% of my possessions or my drives or 10% of my possessions and drives where I would kind of force it up on a good night, maybe I need to kick those out and start the swinging around the perimeter and creating an open shot for someone else. If he's not necessarily willing to do that, that can create some inefficient possessions where the Clippers on the other end can start to close that gap a little bit. So I honestly don't know who I think is going to win the series, probably still Utah, but I think there is some value on that Clippers number. Yeah. If you're saying probably still Utah, that means there's definitely some value on that side. Utah going into this game tonight might feel like they're playing with house money because they did not have Mike Conley for games one and two, and they're still up 2-0. And Donovan Mitchell, after missing game one of the Memphis series, is playing out of his mind continuation from what we saw in the bubble, averaging 33 points per game in a six postseason matchups. Yeah, and his usage is through the roof. It has been insane, which in terms of props makes me think of something that I played for game two that did not end up hitting Joe Ingles over five and a half assists. And part of the reason that it didn't hit was just because Mitchell was taking so many possessions where it was just straight screen roll with whoever the big ended up being or whoever was the matchup that they wanted to exploit. And there really wasn't much ball movement like Utah did a lot in the regular season. And they do when Mitchell's not on the court. Mm -hmm. So there were less opportunities in that regard, less potential assists for Joe Ingles. That's something to keep in mind of, When you're looking at these teams, it's why you can't really look too much at regular season numbers outside of a vague baseline of what a team does because usage changes in the playoffs, rotations change in the playoffs, all that type of stuff has to factor in. So like Ingles, whenever Conley's been out, it's pretty much I've always in the regular season in the playoffs been smashing over five and a half assists or whatever that number ends up being. But I think now with how Mitchell's playing, you kind of have to cool the Jets on that a little bit. Yeah, and Rick, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing with player props. It's what we were doing all regular season. Jazz, threes made. And that continued in games one and two. Now, the big question is, do we see it happening on the road? Mitchell taking a ton of outside shots. He made six more in game two. Clarkson also made six. Six out of nine he shot. Ingles had his issues shooting the basketball in game one, but in game two, he was four for seven, 51% as a team on three pointers. It it was amazing to watch all season. And based on that, I guess you would lean it continuing, even though they're going on the road now. Yeah. Maybe not to the over 50%. Right. Stretch, but 20 made. (laughs) Yeah. And one thing that I think has helped because it always felt like every night, we were trying to figure out who was going to be the one to go off and hit their over on their prop that night. Right. Royce O'Neal has gotten a little hesitant. Like he he's not like PJ Tucker scared of shooting the three ball at this point, but he does hesitate a little bit more. And sometimes I think it is because he's open earlier in the playoffs and in game one, he actually shot the three pretty well. So he's not getting quite as much space as he would have before where guys have noticed When he's in the corner, instead of being maybe two or three strides away from him, they're one or two strides away from him. So maybe he's not seeing the exact same space he's used to. So he's hesitating a little bit, but he's still hitting the over on his points prop, which is nice. But I haven't been taking the over on his three-point prop. So there's a lot of those three and D guys where they're hitting their points over is so dependent on their three-point shooting 
Royce O'Neal, at least as one example, is kind of showing that he can be a little independent of that, getting to the line a decent amount in game two specifically. So I do think that's a positive moving forward if you're looking at, at player props and away then you could say, okay, those threes that he's not taking are probably going to somebody else. So maybe that is an extra an attempt uh-huh. or two with Joe Ingles. And it's been easier to figure out the threes made props on this jazz team. Number one, pretty much all year when Conley has not been on the court. So now you don't have to worry about him taking threes away from someone. Yeah, because Conley has been extra aggressive. Mind you, he played awesome in that Memphis series, but there were a lot of times, especially when he was running those units with Mitchell off the court that he's looking for his shot first. He was a little more aggressive than he was as a default in the regular season. Mm -hmm. So there were times where maybe Ingles is only getting three or four attempts instead of six or seven or Clarkson, even Clarkson isn't getting quite as many. So I I do find that interesting. And I, the one thing I do love about the playoffs, especially prop wise, all the guys that nobody else cares about have props and it's fun to try to pick and choose some of those off the bottom. So a guy like Royce O'Neal or a guy like George Niang or something like that, guys like that, have props. So even if you just pay attention to the top five or six guys in a rotation, those other guys can find you some value. If you think there's something that you see that can be exploited. That's why I always recommend people reading stuff from either X's nose guys, beat writers and that type of stuff. Find out what the coaches are saying about, Hey, maybe X player had a good game. They'll get a couple more touches offensively. Great. If a points prop is at like five and a half, six and a half, a couple more touches may be all that they need to hit that on a consistent basis. Any other betting angles we have not hit for game three jazz Clippers? (laughs) Paul George over rebounds has been really consistent in the playoffs. I haven't double checked the numbers since game two, but at least through game one in the playoffs, he was averaging 9.1 rebounds on 15.8 rebounding chances. That's a giant number for a two guard. But also when you watch, even with Zubats in, whether it's him at center or it's someone like Marcus Morris at center, a lot of times on defensive rebounding opportunities, everybody else is trying to get down the court while Paul George is just trying to get the rebound and go. He's given so many opportunities to just get uncontested rebounds himself. Very similar to what you see with Devin Booker in the Phoenix series. That's an opportunity that's still there. Last game, that prop was at seven and a half and it was juiced. It was pretty even on the juice. It's probably going to be not quite the same, but still there's value to be had. I think still on that number because of how many opportunities he gets eight and a half. I'm still going to be betting it. Honestly, I'm, I'm probably just going to ride that one until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Understandable. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, 670, the score. My guest, Rick Camp, we're breaking down uh, these matchups in the NBA playoffs. And then tomorrow, the Nets and Bucks are back at it. So the big question, do we have a series here? Or eh, it's just going to be a gentleman's sweep with Brooklyn taking out Milwaukee in five. The venue changes over to Milwaukee. They hang on in an ugly, low-scoring matchup. Uh, but the Bucks hang on. They steal game three. Nets have a 2-1 series lead. Bucks were favored by three and a half on Thursday. Three and a half. They win. Did not cover. So we stay in Milwaukee, Rick, but the favorite flips. Now the Nets are favored by two. Total of 229 and a half. And the other angle here is the unders are three and oh, and none of them are close. Game three, that under hit by like 65 points. 
Yeah, I'm not touching the side because I do think this is closer to a gentleman sweep than a true series. As much as, I, as much as I really like a lot of the guys on the Bucks roster, I mean, the Nets just, they have a lot. As long as guys are able to stay on the court. Bruce Brown was fighting through something mid-game. The Nets can't lose too many more guys outside of maybe a big and still be able to not really lose much. So they, they are riding that a little bit. That's something to keep an eye on for Brooklyn. But it's just when you look at, at playoff offense, they're built for it. They're built for the ISOs. They can still run some actual stuff and get guys like Joe Harris open looks. He had an awful game three. I don't expect that necessarily to continue considering how good he's been with the quality of looks that he gets. But Milwaukee, could could they get this to 2-2? I guess, yeah. They have a chance to win when it comes to the series as a whole. I just don't know how much I can trust. It's the age-old thing with Milwaukee where Giannis is that big of a part of the offense and where it seems like he's not willing to take a step back at times to let Middleton or even Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday is even not being utilized enough. It's been Middleton, who obviously Middleton had a good game three. Cool. When you can unlock all three of those guys, that's when Milwaukee really becomes dangerous, and they haven't even come close really to doing that in this series. Bruce Brown, are you serious? Bruce Brown, man. Money time? Let's go to Bruce Brown. Go ahead. Do your thing, Bruce Brown. Go win the game for us. Uh, let, let me tell you, on the series price, it is Brooklyn minus 390, and you said you're inclined to uh, to bet on a gentleman's sweep, as am I. If the Bucks somehow take game four and we're tied at two, I can't wait to jump all over that net series price and some other futures. Absolutely. It's hard for me to see the path unless it involves Bruce Brown getting more opportunities and he gets into his full Mario Chalmers bag. I I just don't see it for Milwaukee. I really don't like you have too many guys that on one end or the other are just complete liabilities. Like PJ Tucker, you can pretty much leave him alone offensively. It was on full display of just how in his head he is about shooting it really in any way, shape or form offensively. That hurts a lot. Not having Dante DiVincenzo matters as weird as that may sound to some people, not having him really matters to their starting lineup. It matters to their rotation and it matters to having just another guy that can maybe create a little bit, be an athletic guy that can be a guard that gets you a decent amount of boards. I think he, he plays a big role for them. And it's kind of funny that, in the year that their GM, John Horst, was praised for getting Drew Holiday and shortening the usable bench that Milwaukee has to try and bud-proof the roster, yeah, you could use a little bit of that depth right now if they still had it because Thanasis Antetokounmpo should be getting zero playoff minutes when the game is within 20 points. Yeah, Zero. And somehow he was out there for like a minute or two in that game. That just shows where they are in terms of depth, because it's, it's a big issue for Milwaukee and give Sean Marks in Brooklyn some credit. They've around the edges made just enough moves that have worked out well for Brooklyn to have a decent enough rotation to be able to get through the playoffs, even with the injuries that they've had. The total from game one to game four has gone down 10 points. Is that enough of an adjustment at the pace we've seen? I haven't decided yet if I'm going to play the under, but let's put it this way. I wouldn't play the over. Correct. Under or nothing. Under yes. or nothing. Any uh, player props that you find enticing in tomorrow's Nets-Bucks matchup? 
Now this was a sweat in game three, but Kevin Durant under five and a half assists has been quality this entire series. Hmm. He's only averaging eight and a half potential assists, even for a Nets team. That's a good shooting team. You really need to convert a high percentage of those to be able to go over. So he had five though, in about the late in the third quarter in game three. So that was uh, certainly a sweat to have to go all the way the rest of the game without him getting another assist. He's decent at getting others involved. However, that's not his main thing. And especially if he's going to have probably a better shooting night than he did in game three, I expect him to be looking for his first and foremost. And there was a stat uh, from before game three that was out there about how good he is at shooting and especially shooting threes when the shots are contested. And he's shooting 50% on threes in the postseason when 89% of them are considered contested. So even if he's covered, he's not covered because he's Kevin bleeping Durant and one of the best shooters of all time. So even if he is covered more tightly, that doesn't necessarily mean he's looking to get the ball off to someone else unless the, unless it's a high-quality shooter like Joe Harris that's wide open or something. Do you think they're going to try and push Harden a little bit now that they need him more than ever before in the series? I don't think so. Okay, They're still probably thinking conference finals, NBA finals. I think if it gets to 2-2, then yeah. there might be a little bit of pressure. But I think at this point, only giving up one game, there's a lot. there was a lot of weirdness in that game that you can chalk that up to basically saying, hey, look at how horrible we played. And we were still right there at the end to be able to say, okay, it would take a game four loss as well to say we really need to push James Harden here and have, if it's considered risk, risk him a little bit to try and get this done. At Rick C. Camp on Twitter. He's awesome at NBA player props, as good as I've seen out there. He works on You Better, You Bet on the BetQL Audio Network. Rick, best of luck with your bets the rest of the way. And I'm sure uh, this is not the last time we're going to check in with you on early odds, all right? Sounds like a plan to me, Joe. Thanks. I just realized that this is quite the BetQL daily You Better, You Bet mashup on early odds, which I'm totally cool with. Because I need some Euro Cup information. You need that Euro Cup intel that only YBYB's Nick Costos can provide. Nick is up next. I'm on Twitter, at Joe0670, at Joe0670. Follow me if you're looking for sports betting content throughout the week. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturday mornings, 8 to 9 on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. The Score listener line is open 24-7, 365, and powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score. We had full capacity yesterday at Wrigley Field. Also yesterday, the start of the 2020 Euro Cup. Yes, we still call it the 2020 Euro Cup. And all of its betting opportunities, whether you're talking about the outright winner, top two, top four, group winners, last in group, highest scoring team, lowest scoring team, the Euro Golden Boot, over under team goals scored, conceded, in addition to betting each and every matchup. I don't lie to you, I don't claim to be a big soccer guy, so we bring on bettors who know what they're talking about in that space, so we can make some money, right? That's the goal here. Enter my guy, Nick Costos, host of You Better You Bet on the BetQL Audio Network. Nick joined me on BetQL Daily, and Nick started with his outright wagers and went on to reel off about 37 other bets. Take a listen. So I have three outrights. I've got Germany. I I, I really like this this German team here, and I know that, that Yogi Löw, you have to make sure you pronounce it with the umlaut on the last <laughs> yeah. name. It's spelled low, but it's actually pronounced Löw. Yogi Löw. Uh, this is Yogi Löw's uh, last um, tournament as manager of the German national team. Obviously, won the World Cup back in 2014. And some people are criticizing Yogi Löw for being a little desperate, right, with some of the moves he's made. Reinstating Thomas Müller, who was the best player for the German team that won that World Cup um, back in 2014. He was off the national team. Now he's back for this tournament here. Mats Hummels, um, another mainstay, now back in the squad for this uh for this European tournament. But Germany's got a lot of really good young players. Gundogan for Manchester City, Serge Gnabry um, for Bayern Munich. This is a team that's absolutely loaded. Still have arguably the best keeper in the world in Manuel Neuer. I really like Germany here. If I had to pick one of those three teams, Germany, France, and Portugal from Group F, the Group of Death, it actually would be Germany. Um, Two other outrights that I've got. One would be Belgium. I just think that the draw kind of sets up for Belgium here. I actually don't think Belgium's going to win their group. I like Denmark to win Group B, plus 200, whatever the best number you can get there is. But I think Belgium, 
This is like the last chance for this quote-unquote golden generation of Belgian soccer talent, whether it's Aiden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, um, Romelu Lukaku, who will still be around for a while. But this is the last chance for this current iteration of the Belgian national team to really, I think, win a piece of silverware here. And I think they've got the horses to uh, to make it happen. Thibaut Courtois and goal, absolutely sensational as well. And Italy would be the other choice for an outright for me. If you're looking for a bit of a longer shot, and they've been bet down here so that you could get that you could have gotten them like 12 to 1 now about plus 750 Italy have not lost since September 2018, Roberto Mancini is their manager. Um, he led Manchester City for people that remember the Aguero goal to beat uh, Queens Park Rangers on the final day of the Premier League season about a decade ago. So Mancini's a name that's familiar to soccer fans. Um, he's now the manager of Italy. Italy have not lost since Mancini took over. Um, it's a younger Italian team and obviously one that's still stinging from the embarrassment of not qualifying for the last World Cup. But uh, I think this Italian team is very good. I would not be shocked if they made a deep run and ended up winning this tournament. Uh, maybe a shot in the dark, a bit of a dart throw by uh, our last guest, Michael Lebaugh from the Action Network. But he said, play Turkey at 50 to 1 or better. Is that worth a shot? Um, I actually like Turkey to come out of the group. I like Turkey because Turkey's front line, it's basically the Lille front line. And for people that don't know, Lille won Ligue 1, which is the, uh, which is the French league. And I know a lot of people know PSG, right? Um, one of like the most famous teams. They have Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. Lille beat them to win the French domestic league. And they are fronted basically by like an all Turkish front line, guys that can score a lot of goals here. So I certainly don't hate that. I think if you're looking... Once we get past what we call the midfield, to borrow a term from Formula One, where like Denmark's the best team in the midfield, once you get down into that range, I, I wouldn't bet Turkey um, because I think the back line is very leaky. They're going to have to outscore teams if they're going to make a deep run. Um, in, the, in the bracket that I've filled out, I have them taking on Belgium in the round of 16, and Belgium, I just think, would outclass them, and that would they'd bounce Turkey in that round. Uh, I do think Turkey, once we get to that range, is the best of those teams. So I understand where Mike's coming from, and congratulations to Mike, who went to my high school on the New York Islanders. But yeah, oh, did I, he? I personally, yeah, we both Shamanad High School alums in Mineola, Long Island, in New York. Um, but yeah, I would not bet Turkey, but I see where he's coming from, the thought process behind it. Are you getting involved with uh, top goal score? Uh, of course, uh, Serge Gnabry would be the guy I would look at. And it's funny, um, Ken on the show yesterday, Lucky Lockerson. Talked about Thomas Müller potentially being that guy for Germany who scored a ton of goals for the German national team in his career. I actually like two other Germans potentially, and I think Germany is going to have a long run in this tournament here. Timo Werner, soccer fans know that he left RB Leipzig, which is one of the uh, the German club teams, to join my favorite team, Chelsea. And Chelsea did win the Champions League. But Werner was one of these maddening players where he could have scored, and I'm only exaggerating slightly here, like 400 goals this season for Chelsea, constantly right in front of the net, shanking shots where like he has an open net. He's offside all the time on like would-be scoring opportunities. And it reaches the point where it's like, there has to be some kind of regression for this dude. Now, maybe it comes next year at Stamford Bridge for Chelsea. Maybe it comes in the form of this tournament, Werner 29 to one to score the most goals. But Serge Gnabry is the guy that I like. Um, Gnabry is Tomas Müller's teammate at Bayern Munich, which is the top team in the Bundesliga, the German domestic league. I think he is an ascending young player. He's absolutely fantastic. So Gnabry would be the guy I would look at at 33 to one. Um, Romelu Lukaku also from Belgium, I think is a guy that's worth a look as well. Plus 650 to score the most goals. I think Belgium slated to make a deep run, whether they win the tournament or not. And Lukaku, Kaku is just in tremendous form. He was the best player in Inter Milan this year. Inter Milan won Serie A, the Italian domestic league. So Lukaku, 
Uh, Gnabry and Werner would be my bets there. I would not look at Harry Kane, who is, yeah. I think, the favorite or at least one of the yeah. co-favorites, um, because I think England are actually going to get bounced in the round of 16. Well, uh, the account's looking good after the other day because uh, listeners to this show and You Better You Bet, uh, if you followed us, you uh, jumped in on Jokic for MVP. That came in. So uh, we're looking for some futures. You said you have a bunch of futures I think that you want to get down on. What are they? I've literally roll got like, like, like 10 or roll 15. Yeah, okay. We're ready. We're ready. All right. Let's start in Group A, where uh, it's Italy, Turkey, Switzerland, and Wales. Wales had a Cinderella run in the last uh, Euro, led by Gareth Bale, who's got a great man bun. I kind of want to grow mine back in inspiration from Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. Uh, This Welsh team is not what it was then. Bale and Ramsey, five years older, not in the form that they were in. Uh, I think Wales plus 130 to finish last in Group A um, makes a lot of sense. Um, Belgium and Denmark to come out of Group B, minus 120. Denmark, who will play all three of their games in Copenhagen, uh, their home city. Um, And Kevin De Bruyne, who is arguably Belgium's best player, top five player in the world, unlikely to play in Belgium's first game against Russia coming up. I believe that game is on Monday. So I think that Denmark plus 200 to win Group B presents some value. Romelu Lukaku to be Belgium's top scorer at minus 140. I know that they've got other great talent, Aiden Hazard, uh, the aforementioned De Bruyne, but Lukaku is the guy there that's going to be poaching goals in front of the net. So Lukaku minus 140 to be the top Belgian goal scorer. Ken Barkley loves Jonas Vind for Denmark, uh, plus 500 to be the top Danish scorer. In Group C, I've got the Netherlands Netherlands plus 260 to be eliminated in the quarterfinals. I think they'll get an easy draw based on how I see it playing out in the round of 16. Then they will get bounced. Their manager is an absolute clown. England plus 155 to be eliminated in the round of 16, where I have them projected to take on the Group F runner-up France. That will not go well for the English. Croatia, World Cup runners-up. Um, in the last World Cup in 2018, plus 145 to reach the corners. The Czech Republic, plus 240 to be eliminated in the round of 16. I like the Czech to be one of those third-place teams that advanced. Harry Kane to be the top English goal scorer at minus 135. Cristiano Ronaldo in Portugal, plus 600, eliminated in the semis. Kareem Benzema, plus 220 to be France's leading goal scorer over Kylian Mbappe. And Joshua Kimmich, if I think Germany is going to win this tournament, Kimmich, their star midfielder, also plays for Bayern Munich. 30 to 1 to finish as the best player in the tournament. Nick Costos with me on BetQL Daily, which airs live 9 a.m. to noon on the bet 105.9 FM HD2. If you don't have an HD radio, you can also listen live on the Odyssey app. Watch the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. And there's also the BetQL Daily podcast. No excuses, guys. Hawthorne Racecourse is Jim Miller on today's Winners at the Track and a Cubs or Sox futures bet that has value. Next on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Every week on Early Odds, we bring in Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Was not here last week, but no different. Rick Camp was filling in, and uh, Jim was here to preview the Belmont. And, Jim, I heard you gave the people a winner. We did. We were able to hit the exacta in the Belmont, Joe. We missed you, of course. Rick did a great job filling in, but I'll tell you, you had essential quality. You ran a big race. Hot Rod Charlie ran a big race. If their order had flipped then we probably would have quadrupled our money. But regardless, it was a profitable day, a profitable race. So a good way to close out last weekend. Uh, Some nice free money there. We're going to get to some horses going today with your picks. But uh, you know where you can also get some free money is today on your PointsBet app. There's the UFC 
263 going down tonight, and there is a double your money boost. This is free money, right? You guys aren't trying to trick me when I see Adesanya to throw one plus punches, bet $10, win $10. I just have to wait for the money to go into my account, right? And that's what you have to watch out for, Joe, because these do pop up quite often, and it is. It's free money. You're in a UFC fight. It's to throw a punch. Not, not connect, just throw. Throw a punch, and there's your free money. And, and it's something that points bet is wanting to do because they're really pushing the promotion of UFC fights. They're going to start showing all of these UFC events at the points bet sportsbook locations, and we do have three of them in this area with Hawthorne Racecourse, Prospect Heights, and Crestwood. So this is a good way to get that additional 10 bunks out there. Again, put the wager down. You're doubling your money. It's free money out there. All you got to do is throw one punch. That's going to happen five seconds into the fight. I'm not a big UFC guy. I'll bet it once in a while when I, I know some smart people know what they're doing. They're saying, hey, why don't you bet this? This is a good shot of happening. I know you can find some uh, ways to bet UFC where you can make some nice money on a Saturday night, but uh, I'll be betting this one. I'm not going to watch it probably, <laughs> but I'll, I'll be betting on it because uh, PointsBet is offering some free money there. Want to transition over to Major League Baseball. Jim, you, the big White Sox fan, want to gauge your confidence at this stage in the season as we hit mid-June. Now, maybe I'm talking to the wrong people, but I feel like many of the White Sox fans I talk to about uh, the Sox chances this year, they're still a little concerned about the American League Central. When are you guys going to say, okay, the AL Central's done, we're just fine. The odds at points bet, minus 500 for your White Sox to win the division. At Fangraphs are saying 83% chance the White Sox win the division. The people at Dakota are nuts, I think. And I know you were mad before the season got started. You should still be mad. Well, yes. they, they only have the Sox at 48% chance, which I don't understand <laughs> right now. You're the favorite to win the American League. You're the second favorite only behind the Dodgers to win the World Series. Can we say we're good on the AL Central? I'm good on the AL Central. Okay. And here's the reason why. Think about this, Joe. You're in a division that's not very good now. The Twins are bad. We found that out. The Twins are not very good. Detroit's not very good. The Royals, I think they're a few years away from being pretty good again. So it comes down to the Indians, and you still have a pretty good gap on the Indians, and the Indians still have no offense. And here's the thing. The White Sox, look at what they've battled through with injuries. No Eloy. No Luis Robert. Tim Anderson was down for a little bit. Abreu's running over Hunter Dozier. He's out for a couple games. Nick Madrigal now, he pulls a hammy. But guys continue to step in. Adam Angles come right back. Billy Hamilton's come back. And you look at how the season's going to progress, you figure the bullpen's only going to get better. And they've had their struggles. The starters have been great. And later on the season, you're going to see Luis Robert back. You're going to see Eloy Jimenez back. I mean, a four-game margin right now could be seven or eight at the All-Star break, and then you just look to extend to get healthy the second half of the season. But I'm pretty confident with what I'm seeing out of the White Sox right now for sure. Okay, on the other side of town, over at Clark and Addison, we have the Cubs, the surprising Cubs. This might be a tough wager for you to place as a big Sox fan, <laughs> but can you explain to me why the Cubs are still – in the range of plus 300 to plus 350 to win the central without a team that, that I would say is should be the clear cut favorite as the Cardinals are free falling. Think about this too. And you're right. The Cubs should be the favorite. They won the division last year. And then 
They won the division last year with guys having bad seasons. Hobby was bad last year. Chris Bryant was bad last year. KB's having a great year this year. Rizzo's coming back. I mean, I think the biggest thing that is the question mark really for the Cubs is starting pitching. But like you said, you're in a division where you probably only had to be a few games above 500 anyway to win that division. And I think the Cubs, the way they're playing right now, I mean, they could be seven, eight, nine games above 500 easily. And I think that will be good enough. But you're right. The Cardinals have their flaws. Flaherty is now out. So really, you're looking at the Brewers, and the Brewers have been very inconsistent. So to me, the Cubs should be the favorite. And for anybody who bet the over on the Cubs wins, you should be feeling really good right now because I think they're going to be in great shape for that. After the Flaherty injury, I thought the Cubs' division odds would drop. They didn't. They're the only team in the division with a positive run differential, and it's much, much better than anybody else in the division. Still feels like plus 350. There's a lot of value, even though there's so much baseball left. Agree? Well, yes, and everybody was saying, okay, the month of June is going to be really tough. You have this West Coast swing, and what's going to happen in that? And it got off to a little bit of a slow start. Then you put together a couple of good games against the Padres here. If you can go through the month of June and just even play a 500 month of baseball, things are going to get easier again. So if they can play even a couple games above 500, I think they're going to be in incredible shape. And you basically take a team that turned from sellers at the start of the season going into the all-star break, probably to buyers, if anything. I mean, they're going to hold firm. I don't think they're going to sell anybody off, but I think they're actually going to be looking for another starting arm. You can't sell. This is not the Pittsburgh Pirates, a mirage somehow uh, hanging around. This is not the Kansas City Royals. You are the third market. You cannot sell. That would be an awful look as we're getting 100% capacity on both sides of town. Jim, how are we betting the horses today? All right, three horses. We're all across the country today. We're starting at Churchill Downs, race nine. Bet the three horse, Hendy Woods across the board. This horse is five to one. Going to try to pull the upset there on the turf course. Then go to Monmouth, race number 10. Bet the six, Croatian across the board. This horse is 15 to one and should come flying late. And then the hometown track, Hawthorne, race six. Bet the five horse, Mnemonic across the board. Good recent races and draws well. Jim Miller at Hawthorne, Jim on Twitter of Hawthorne Racecourse. Check out the three points bet sportsbook locations. Once again, Jim, where are they at now? We have three locations, one right there at Hawthorne Racecourse and one on the northern suburbs in Prospect Heights and then the southern suburbs at Crestwood, and that's a great location there, Joe. Sounds good, Jim. Talk next week, all right? All right, you got it, bud. Have a good weekend. That's Jim Miller from one of the best spots around, and they have a sportsbook. Always a nice bonus. Go check out our friends over at Hawthorne Racecourse. Nick Costos hooked us up with a handful of Euros bets. And Rick Camp earlier in the hour on the NBA playoffs. And, you know, we had a dance. We had a little party. We celebrated our Jokic 36-1 MVP winner. If you missed any of that, use the Rewind feature on the Odyssey app or subscribe to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast. Talk Monday on BetQL Daily, 9 a.m. to noon, Odyssey app, Odyssey Sports YouTube page, and the bet 105.9 FM HD2. Chris Raji, my co-host for much of next week. Going to be a long week. Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw is next. Cast some tickets and keep it locked here on 670 The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.